Hi everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Better Watch Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick. And I'm Celeste. And we're just two fans who want to share our love for horror. And true crime. Can't forget about the true crime. Definitely not. So today we're talking about the 2005 Ozploitation film, Wolf Creek, that was directed by Greg McLean, starring Nathan Phillips, Cassandra McGrath, Kirsty Marassi, and John Jarrett. An Aussie icon. 100% he is. So essentially, the film starts... And there's a card sequence that pops up saying that the movie is based on actual events, which I don't think is true. I feel like it was like an advertisement thing, like Texas Chainsaw, that at the start says it was based off actual events. And it makes you, when watching it, oh, you get a bit more scared. 100%. Like, first time I ever watched it, this terrified the shit out of me because I thought it was real. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Well, essentially, it's speculated that this movie is based on the crimes of Ivan Milat, also known as the Backpacker Murderer. And so uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, all these backpackers, international and Aussie, went missing. Um, And then two men, five women, um, their bodies were found in the Belangelo State Forest, southwest of Sydney. And it was really sad. They were, you know, shot, stabbed, beaten, decapitated. It was just awful. So yeah, he was convicted of those seven and was serving the seven consecutive life sentences, but it's rumoured that he murdered many, many more. The amount of missing people around that time also fit his victim uh, victim type, but we'll never know because he passed away while in prison in 2019. And when you see the killer in this movie, Mick Taylor, you can see traits of Ivan Milat. Yeah, and also kind of appearance-wise, like if you've ever seen a picture of Ivan Milat, they look kind of similar, I guess. It's kind of like the rugged sort of look. Oh, 100%. And the the way he goes about attacking these three, three backpackers in this movie, it's just sadistic, psychotic. Like, to think that Ivan could have been like this in real life is just crazy to me. Yeah, it's so, so scary. So we're not really going to go into too much depth for the first 30 to 40 minutes of this film because really it's just a bunch of driving and we get to learn the relationship between the three main protagonists before we meet the big dog, Mickey Taylor, (laughs) and this movie starts to hit the fan, really. Yeah, so basically we just want to kind of talk about our favourite parts leading up to all the intense stuff in the movie and how we made a connection with the characters and things like that. So let's get into it. First things first, if you have not watched this film before, please do yourself a favour, turn this off, come back. Because you'll want to go into this without any spoilers. Yeah, we don't want to spoil anything. You need to experience it for yourself. All righty. So we start this movie off in Broome, Western Australia in 1999. And this is where we first meet Ben, one of the backpackers, the Aussie out of the group. And he's picking up a car for their travels. And to be honest, the car dealer he's dealing with is a bit of a fucking creeper, isn't he? Oh, it's gross. He makes comments about... Um, how he's travelling with two Sheilas and says that they get real easy when they travel. Yeah, he's implying a lot of shit and it's just not on. Yeah, and Ben's just not having any of it. Like once he finally pays for the car and gets to drive off, he just calls him a tool. It's We were all thinking it though, weren't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, I was thinking it as soon as he was saying all that shit. Like just piss off, mate. Like who gives a Yeah. Fuck? So then we meet the two girls, the two British backpackers, Liz and Christy. And they're sending postcards off to their families back home. Yeah. So essentially, um, we I've kind of thought that maybe they've been in Australia maybe a couple of months. 
traveling around, partying, meeting all these new people and they, you know, want to send their families and postcards and pictures of their travels. Um, so essentially this last part of their trip, they're tra- traveling from Broome to Cairns. They're speculating it's going to be a three-week trip and then after that they're going to head home. So they're saying we can't wait to see you. We miss you. Yeah, and we also see them having their own chat about Ben to themselves. Yeah, it's like a cute little girly chat. You know, Liz has a bit of a crush on Ben, but she thinks that Ben has the crush on Christy. But then there's this speculated girlfriend that Ben has in Sydney and the girls don't really believe him. But, yeah, Christy's just kind of telling Liz to go for it, but Liz is kind of the shy one of the two and she doesn't really want to step on anyone's toes. Yeah, it seems like that way. But all I got from that conversation was blokes lie. All we do is lie, apparently. It's a little inside joke for the girls. I get that. I get that. We also cut back to Ben getting the car checked out at the mechanics, which is one of the many improvised scenes in this movie. And I found a little bit of fun out of it, especially when he asks how long the car's going to take. And the mechanic replies with, not long. And he goes, how long's not long? It's like typical. I would say the same thing, honestly, because I hate waiting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it's just a whole long conversation of the mechanic just telling Ben to rev the engine and saying yep, and Ben's just making fun of him. It's it's a funny little scene. We then get to Ben catching up with the girls on the street when he drives up to them in the new car and Christy kind of makes a remark that she requested it in purple and Ben goes, well, we're lucky enough to get doors on it for 1500 bucks." Uh, yeah, so, you know, they're having their little banter and then, you know, they talk about how they're going to be leaving in the morning for this three-week journey, um, so they should probably have an early night and the group sort of all agrees and then it cuts to a scene of just mad, mad partying. Cool Aussie style, really. Yeah. And Ben's telling that bullshit story about how he was getting chased by sharks on a surfboard. Yeah, and his friends just think he's a massive dickhead and just throw all their drinks on him. So after this, not much really happens. We see Liz goes in for a dip after waking up on the beach and then we cut straight to them driving towards Cairns, really. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of road tripping montages and things like that. Um, And, yeah, their first stop is actually in uh, Halls Creek Um, and they stop at a caravan park and camp for the night under the clear sky of stars and it's just – it's a – Beautiful scene, just I like stars. I'm into that. So I was all about it. I know you were. But, of course, Ben had to tell another bullshit story about a UFO sighting, which was actually done in one shot and it took seven minutes. Wow. Yeah, there's some impressive things when she learned about this movie and it makes me love it more, really, honestly. Yeah, like all the little hidden features and behind-the-scenes details. Yeah. So the next... Funny bit we get before shit kind of hits the fan is when they stop off at a servo in Emu Creek. This is where the girls kind of get out of the car to stretch their legs and Ben decides while he's filling up the car to do a captain's log on the camera that they have. And this is where we probably get our only, only one that is not a creeper of a side character and Graham when he comes around the car and kind of spooks Ben a little bit. Yeah, poor Ben is just filming himself and he's sort of pans the camera around with him as he's turning and Graham's just standing in the background with a weird smile on his face and he just says, hello. And Ben's like, oh, okay, oh, all right, and just stops recording straight away. 
This is also where Christy kind of enlightens Ben that Liz has a crush on him and she can see that he has a crush on her as well. But I mean, breaking girl code. You don't do that. I wouldn't know. I don't do that shit. Don't tell secrets. <laughs> so then we get into the servo and we see a group of blokes, one of them actually having a name, Baza and his mates, and they're kind of eyeballing the girls off as they're in there trying to pay for everything. Yeah, just making really gross comments. That's, yeah, it's a weird scene. It is a weird scene and it comes to more light when Ben walks in and Baza pulls him over and tells him, well, kind of asks him if the girls want to have a gangbang. Yeah, just straight up. No little easing into it, just straight up. Do they want a gangbang? They laugh it off, but Ben kind of calls him a fuckhead and, uh, well, we all know Baza did did hear it and he gets up and Ben kind of turns around to probably punch on, but seeing the size of Baza, I don't blame him for not doing anything and tell him, no, nah, I just said you had a beautiful smile, mate. Yeah, and then they just leave and, you know, then Ben tries to be all tough to the girls and says, oh, you know, I should have tied Cheaty's ass, as if that's going to do anything. It would have done shit. He would have been two hits, Baza hitting Ben and the ambulance hitting 100 on the freeway. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So then we cut to the group going to Wolf Creek Crater, which is, I feel like at this point in the movie, it feels like we're supposed to know that they're in the NT. By now, the Northern Territory, but the crater is actually west, uh, located in Western Australia, and it's spelled W O L F E instead of just like how wolf is normally spelled. Yeah, so basically, um, it they pull up, they sort of get their hiking gear ready. There's a sign um, saying that it's going to be a three-hour hike at least um, to get to the top of the crater. Um, so they kind of get all their supplies and they set off. Yeah, and it's there's not much to say about this scene as well, really. There's a scene where Christy talks to Ben about why the crater hit would hit here out of all places and Ben kind of says, oh, maybe it was something in the earth that pulled it here. Like just typical, typical just weird conversation. Yeah, kind of hinting again at the whole UFO alien sort of situation from the campsite the night before. Yeah, yeah, 100. And this is where Ben finally makes his move on Liz and we get a little bit of a make-out scene. <laughs> Which is kind of cute because they are just like giggly and like have the biggest smiles on their faces. So it's nice to have that little bit of happiness before like you know that shit's going to go down. Oh, yeah. Shit starts to hit the fan after this. Yeah. Uh, the group gets back to the car after a rainstorm and we find out that Christy and Ben's watches have stopped on at 6.30 together. Watches Which is aren't working. what a weird coincidence though. So then when they're trying to leave, the car won't start. Don't know why, just it's not starting. So Ben goes to check it out. He doesn't know what's going on because, fuck it, it's Ben. Like, would we expect anything else? <laughs> not at all. So then he basically says, look, it's pitch black. I don't see anyone coming anytime soon. Let's just camp out in the car until someone comes along or until morning and they'll set off on foot. Yeah. And this is where Ben starts playing with his flashlight like a lightsaber, as I would as well. Like, you're bored, stuck in a car. 
Yeah. And the girls just think he's the biggest idiot and are so over the whole situation. They thought that their trip was going to go off without a hitch and, of course, something has to go wrong. Yeah. And this is where I start to enjoy the film because we see lights coming a ways away towards them and obviously Ben's like, oh, shit, could be a UFO. But as it gets closer, we see it's two headlights and that iconic blue truck comes up forward and who else but Mickey Taylor comes out to... Try and save these three, help them out. <laughs> what a night on a shining white horse. <laughs> In a red flannel. <laughs> My kind of saviour. <laughs> so Mick kind of looks at the car, tells them the coil's pretty much busted and the three aren't going anywhere. And he gives them two options, that they can wait for someone else to come, but who knows when someone else would come down that way. Or he can tow them back to his camp and he can fix it there because he has the parts back at camp. So. They kind of con Ben into talking to Mick because blokes talk to blokes about that shit. Yeah, I mean, as a female myself, I would not want to talk to a strange man. If there is another man present, he must do it. So Ben walks up to Mick, asks him, hey, mate, can you tell us back to town? And Mick goes, no can do because town's north. I'm going south. Two different directions. So then Mick asks, oh, well, how much for the coil? Like, how much is this going to cost us? And Mick kind of laughs it off and he goes, what do you mean? I'm not going to bloody charge her at all. Yeah, and it's kind of like an awkward thing because, you know, Mick's laughing at Ben and Ben's kind of feeling awkward and almost foolish for asking. But, I mean, it's a fair question. So they do decide to get the help of Mick and they get towed back to his camp, which seems like a really suspiciously long drive. Yeah, but, I mean, it's rural Australia. Like, you kind of understand that if he says it's down the road, it could be a five-hour drive. That's just how it is. And Christy starts getting a bit suspicious, like, well, why is it taking so long? And Ben brushes it off saying, like, he didn't have to help us. Like, let's just be nice. Yeah, exactly. So we do get a cool little Easter egg here. Yeah, so where Mick is kind of currently living is a abandoned mine, And their sign saying what the mine's name was pops up as they're driving past and it's actually Ivan Malat's name backwards and there's an H thrown in there. Yeah, that was pretty cool to learn when I was looking up the facts on IMDb. They all uh, sit around the campfire and start to learn about Mick and who he is and what he does and we find out he used to be a head shooter. Yeah, and so we learn that a head shooter is someone who works on a farm and essentially just exterminates any predator that's going to hurt the animals on the farm. So he goes into detail about how he killed pigs and kangaroos and all that sort of stuff and all the different methods he had to use for the different animals. Yeah, and this is where he kind of tells the group, which is probably first red flag, I would have been, I'm out, I'm out, okay, I'll walk. Yeah, yeah. He goes to the group and he says, you know, I'm doing people a service here, taking out a few roos here and there. They're everywhere out here now. Like tourists. Yeah. So essentially saying that he needs to exterminate the tourists, which that is what Christy and Liz are. Yeah, but I feel like Liz is getting a bit suspicious of Mick. Yeah. Like she doesn't seem like she is getting along with what he's saying. Yeah, she she just seems a bit uncomfortable and, I mean, it's fair enough. So Ben then asks Mick, oh, where do you live? And this is where Mick goes, oh, nowhere, mate. Like you never know where I might just pop up. Second red flag. Second one. Yeah. It's just like a little bit of an unpredictable, creepy thing to say. He also drops the line of, I could tell you, 
but I'll have to kill you. Yeah, which, I mean, they all just laugh off and think it's a joke, but there's a little twinkle of something else in his eyes. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So this is where Ben kind of goes on a little rant telling Mick, oh, how much would you love the freedom? Like, I'd love it. I'd love to live out in nature. And he drops a little Crocodile Dundee reference of, that's not a knife. This is a knife. Yeah, and Mick just kind of seems a bit offended by it. And you can kind of get the vibe that Mick just is not a fan of Ben and just thinks he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's very obvious, but as again, they're all just brushing it off because they're like, he's helping us out. Yeah. And they kind of have no other choice. So after this, there's a little, another improvised scene of a little burping contest. So Ben lets one go and then Christy does as well. Mick asks Liz, what have you got in the tank? She goes on oh, nothing. And then, Ben, as the mature bloke that he is, rips a massive fart. And <laughs> as the mature people we are, got to laugh at that. Fart jokes are the best. Yeah, nothing wrong. You can never go wrong with a good fart joke. <laughs> so this is where Mick gets up and he says, all right, I'll get your car fixed. I'll let you know when it's done. So just get some sleep and I'll let you know when it's ready to go. Yeah, so Christy and Ben sort of get their sleeping bags ready and tuck in next to the fire And Liz gets up and walks over to Mick and just wants to tell him how much she appreciates him helping them. Um, I don't know if it's to make herself feel a bit more comfortable. I don't know. But, yeah, and then he's, you know, brushes her off, says, don't worry about it, just go to sleep. And by the time you wake up in the morning, your car will be ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And so Liz falls asleep and then the last 40 minutes of this movie is where it just gets all crazy. Yeah. Just super intense the whole time. Edge of your seat. Oh, yes. Always on the edge of my seat when I'm watching this movie. <laughs> no, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> so we get to the scene where Liz wakes up and she's gagged, zip-tied hands and feet, doesn't know where the hell she is, doesn't know where the other two are, doesn't know where Mick is, has no idea what's going on. She finds a bit of glass on the floor and she cuts herself free and escapes out the open window. This is where she also finds out that Mick has pulled everything out of the engine so the car's pretty much useless and they can't use it to get away. Yeah, so upon realising this, she's like, well, now I'm just going to have to go off on foot. So she just finds her shoes from that night before, puts them on, and as she's about to leave the camp, she hears a scream in the distance. And being the good friend that she is, she goes to investigate and see what's going on. And unfortunately, she finds Christy in another little shed container situation, being tortured and tormented by Mick. And a pre-warning, if you're a bit sensitive about sexual assault and all that kind of stuff, uh, it does imply that Mick is going to rape her. So I'd just skip past this part, if I was to be honest. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit intense. So yeah, we see Christy all bloodied up, zip-tied to the pole, and we see Mick across from her just taunting the shit out of her. He's loading up his rifle and points it at her and all you hear next is him yell bang and just saying, oh, you should have seen the look on your fucking face. And Yeah, as if you wouldn't be terrified in Christie's situation. So she's just screaming, sobbing, begging for her life and Mick's just there talking all calmly, trying to talk her down, says, don't worry, sweetheart, Uncle Michael's here. Like, that's no... Yeah. Don't do so, that. this is where Liz kind of comes up with the plan to try to distract Mick to get to Christy. 
So she puts lighter fluid on some clothing or I don't know what was left in that car, but she puts it on what was left in that car. She lights a match, puts the car on fire, and then she grabs a gas canister and puts it in the campfire where the, well, the, here's the thing, the campfire was already out. So I don't know if there was something left in there. There might have been, there would have been some wood or something in her lighting that match and she probably poured lighter fluid around it too, so it just helped ignite it, I guess. Yeah, maybe. So the gas canister explodes in the campfire and this is where Mick runs out to see what's happened and tries to get it all cleaned up, blaming himself that it happened. But he also sees the gas canister in the campfire and gets suspicious that it could have been Liz because he looks over at the site shed that she was locked in. Yeah, but then he kind of just brushes it off like, oh, she wouldn't be getting out. And as he's sort of muttering to himself about this, you actually see Liz running behind him to the shed where Christie's to go and go and free her. Yeah, and she gets to her and we also see what happened to the last person that Mick had there when we look over at the corpse of the last woman. Yeah, unfortunately she's just strung up. Yeah, on display for everyone. So Liz doesn't get Christy out in time and Mick comes back in. So Liz has to hide. Mick kind of just tells Christy, oh, where did we leave off to, Dals? And cuts her free, smacks her head against the pole and then rubs her face in his crotch. Yeah, it's a really uncomfortable thing. And he essentially says and is, you know, trying to tease her and muck around with her and says, oh, like you like to play, you know, the last one did, but, you know, you saw what happened to her, which like – Christy, like, if I was in her position, I'd be just freaking out. Yeah, Mick doesn't care. He couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. And this is where Christy gets picked back up and she gets slammed against the pole twice more by Mick. And at this point, she starts laughing and I think, oh, she's just lost her mind. Yeah, she's she's gone delirious. But the camera pans and we see Liz is actually pointing the rifle at Mick. And this is where we get one of the many funny lines from Good old Mick Taylor, and he says, now, Liz, a rifle in the wrong hands can be dangerous. And we're like, have you looked at yourself? Yeah, like you are the definition of wrong hands, mate. So he yells at Liz to give him the gun, and before he can finish his sentence, Liz shoots him in the neck, and he drops down on the ground. Liz then tries to walk back up to him, tries to shoot him again, can't figure out how to work the rifle, so she just flicks it over and smacks him in the back with it a couple of times. I mean, good for her. What else are you going to do? No, oh, I'd probably do the same thing. <laughs> Me too. Oh, I would have been 20 minutes up the road by now because. <laughs> Once he's down, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. See you later. <laughs> I've seen too many horror movies to fucking stay around. I'm <laughs> out. So Christy and Liz get into mixed car. Finally, you think, okay, they're gone. It's over. No bloody keys. So that means that they have to go back into that shed and grab the keys from Mick's unconscious body. So they do that, come back in, and there's something about cars in this movie and them not starting on the first go. Yeah. Like, I just don't know if they're trying to just add suspense, but, like, by, like, the fifth car, you're kind of over it and you're just expecting it to just not start. Yeah. So, obviously, it doesn't start. And when it does, Mick pops back up. Magically conscious again. Nothing you can't. You can't keep him down. Can't keep him down. <laughs> so Mick grabs a shotgun and starts shooting at the girls in the truck and Liz just puts pedal to the metal and tries to run him over, but Mick does get out of the way in time. Yeah. So then after seeing him just jump out of the way, she's like, all right, there's no point in trying to kill him. We just need to, we just need to 
get out of here and leave. Yeah. And go find help. Yeah. Which everyone would be in that position. Yeah. So, you know, they're driving so fast down the road, as fast as his car can go, and Christy is just yelling in Liz's ear, just telling her to go faster and faster and faster. And Liz is, of course, shook up as well. And in her sort of frantic mind, she almost drives them off a cliff but manages to stop just in time. Yeah, luckily. Yeah. So then after, you know, almost driving off the cliff, she actually gets the idea because they've they've seen headlights following them and just assume that it's going to be Mick coming after them. So to kind of give them a bit more time and sort of play with him a little bit, give him a taste of his own medicine, they actually just push his truck over the cliff so that he'll think that they're down there dead after they've crashed. Yeah, and this is where they also climb down the cliff face so when Mick does eventually catch up to him, he can't see him. So Mick does look over the edge, sees his truck, doesn't see any bodies, but they almost get caught because Christy loses her footing and a bit of rubble happens. So he looks again, doesn't see anything, and walks away. Yeah, so he ends up just walking further around the cliff sort of face to a a steady path and wants to check out for himself that they're in they were in the in the wreckage essentially. Yeah, and this is where Liz figures out that there's gotta be more cars at Mix. Yeah, so on that set of keys that she'd stolen from him when he was unconscious, there's heaps more keys on there. So she's like, right, we have to go back. We have to get another car because we can't go on foot. You wanna know what I thought about at this part? Yeah. Where's Ben? I know. Where is Ben? We do get a little glimpse of where he is, but it's about 20 seconds after Liz asks, where's Ben? I mean, you'd blink and miss it, to be honest. Yeah, (laughs) honestly. We haven't seen poor Ben since the campfire. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're too focused on the girls. You're not even thinking about Ben. So after this, Liz and Christy start to walk back to the camp, but Christy does not want to go back. I don't blame her. I wouldn't want to either. Yeah. After what she had to deal with. I'd not want to go back either. But also because of the injuries that she had, she was kind of dragging Liz down and Liz just ends up, you know, popping her up the side of the road and says, "I'm. it's just going to be faster if I go on my own. I'll be back in 15 minutes. If I'm not, you take off and I'll catch up. Yeah, so Christy gets left behind. Liz gets back to the camp, looks in the shed and grabs a flashlight and we kind of see like a little what I would call a trophy room for Mick. Yeah, like it's just full of camping gear, like clothes, and then there's like a corkboard full of driver's licenses, boarding passes, photos, all these sorts of things that you kind of realise that they're all from his past victims. Yeah, and this is where, again, we hear about Ben after she picks (laughs) up the Swiss Army knife. That, yeah, has his name engraved in it. And we also see a box of cameras. So Liz goes to investigate. (coughs) Sorry. And this is where we see a video of a young family that was in the same predicament as the three backpackers. Yep. So they've pulled up at the Wolf Creek crater. They're trying to start their car to leave. Magically doesn't start. And then Mickey Taylor shows up to save the day, takes him back to his Whatever it is, camping area. I feel like the mum in that video was the corpse we saw earlier. Possibly. I mean, it would have been. you can't tell, sadly. No, you can't tell. So, by this point, Liz is like, oh, 
can't get any worse. But we do see the video of Ben's captain's log again. And when the video stops, you realize that Mick's been following him the whole time. Yeah. So when they'd stopped at uh, Emu Creek and after he, you know, saw Graham in the background, he closes the uh, tape recorder and, yeah, Mick's car's there. Yeah. And if you've actually got a good eye, when he actually does it, you do get a little glimpse of the car yeah. in the background. But you don't, you're not paying attention to that point. Yeah, you're too busy watching Ben be a dickhead. 100%. <laughs> so this is where Liz finally decides to put plan into action and gets to the car, which, again, doesn't start on the first go. Fancy that. And she finally starts it. Sigh of relief. Okay. They've made it. It's over. Iconic giggle in the back seat. Yeah. Mick's iconic little cheeky giggle. And then he stabs her. Which I, you couldn't pick anyone else but John Jarrett to play Mick, honestly. Yeah, it just really works. The commitment he had, like he went into the outback and lived there for a few weeks. And it also took him four months to come up with that giggle. That actually was his own idea. Yeah, which is the smartest thing ever. So Liz stumbles out of the car after being stabbed by Mick. Mick being the smart ass that he is, when Liz pulls out that Swiss army knife to defend herself, does the old Crocodile Dundee reference again, saying, oh, it's just like your mate said, that's not a knife, this is a knife. And then as he's saying that, he swings the knife and Liz has her hands up to sort of defend herself and he chops three fingers off. They just go flying. Yeah, they're And so she's screaming in agony and the little shit of Mick, he just says, you know, what are you complaining for? I got shot in the neck. You don't see me screaming, like telling her to shut up. Some of the shit this guy says, holy fuck. My God. Like, I can't help but nervous laugh. Yeah. Or genuinely laugh. Yeah, because you're just not, anything that comes out of his mouth, you're not ready for. No, no, you're never ready for it. So at this point, he picks her up. She's still struggling and he headbutts her for wrecking his truck. Yeah, which, I mean, that one's kind of a fair thing. Like, she crashed his car. Yeah, I felt like a little bit of karma there. <laughs> Just a little bit. And then he tells her about an old Vietnam War trick called Head on a Stick. And this is where he stabs her in the back to sever her spine. So she's basically a head on a stick. Yeah, so they used it to uh, paralyze their uh, prisoners so that they couldn't run away. Um, and then, yeah, could just get any information out of them that they wanted. So he asks her about Christy and where she. And that's when we cut back to Christy. So pretty much Liz is dead. Yeah, you don't and see it, but it's it's assumed. That did throw me through a spin because I thought she was going to be the final one alive. Yeah, that's another thing I like about this movie is that it doesn't show the girls being those dumb characters that don't know what they're doing. Like she's so smart and so methodical in what she's doing that she's she's just trying to survive. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice. It's nice to see smart protagonists because in other horror movies, some of them are dumb as dog shit. Yeah, and it's like no one would actually do that in real life. No. So getting back on track, <laughs> this is where Christy wakes up and realises Liz is not coming back, so she decides to just leg it. Yeah, which, I mean, that was the plan. She's just sticking to it. Yeah, and she eventually gets to a road where she runs down it for, say, a kilometre or two, 
Yeah. And collapses and exhausted. Yeah. And then as she collapses, she sees this car coming up the road and goes into a panic because you think it's you think it's just gonna be Mick. Like there's no one else it could be. But it just turns out it's this really nice old guy that sees her on the side of the road and pulls over so he can help her. Just being the good Samaritan that he is. Yeah. But then, you know, like in this movie, nothing nice ever happens. Not at all. Not at all. And as the old man is helping Christy out, we hear a little like ting noise. I'd explain it as a ting. Yeah. And the camera pans up to see that his coffee mug's been shot. And then sadly, the poor old man gets shot in the head with a blood splatter hitting the back back window. Yeah. So while this was happening, Christy was laid in the back seat. And after hearing the gunshot, she kind of crawls out of the car because she's like, what's happening? I have no idea. And it's either it actually shows a really cool camera angle where you see through mixed scope. Yeah, that was really impressive. I love that. Yeah, so you're watching that like through his scope, Christy getting out of the car, finding the old man, and then it goes to back to a normal camera scene. Yeah, and this is where Mick starts highballing it towards uh Christy, so Christy gets the keys off the old man again. Car doesn't start until about the fourth or fifth go. Yeah, and then she just hightails it. All at the meantime, Mick's just up the other end of the street, just taunting the shit out of her, revving the engine, knowing he's going to catch up to her. Yeah, and then he kind of pulls up behind her at one point and she checks the rearview mirror and he just does a little finger wave and a little giggle. And pulls up beside her and does like this whole, oh, Oh, I know who you are. Yeah, just being a little cheeky shit. <laughs> well, if you've been paying attention the whole movie, you realise that's who Mick Taylor is, which is great. Like, I love it. Yeah, it's a bit of a change. So this is where Christy gets the idea to hit him and swerve him off the road, which does ro- work for a little bit. That's until he pulls out the rifle again and shoots the back tyre, causing Christy to crash the car and roll it. So, yeah, unfortunately... After the crash, she kind of stumbles out of the car best she can and Mick is just, you see the real monster come out in this scene. He's just slowly walking towards her as she's kind of crawling from the injuries of the car crash but also his torture injuries and then he, yeah, just shoots her in the back and she just collapses but then he walks closer and shoots her again. Yeah, he's... Not the nicest bloke, very sadistic. Yeah, and this is kind of a real sad scene because after sort of seeing how Liz went and, you know, you kind of have a bit of hope that Christy's Christy might end up being the final girl and she'll get out. Not in this movie. But no, they have to go and break my heart. But finally, finally, we see my boy. <laughs> my boy Ben, who's just been hanging around on a cross, really. Yeah, nailed to a cross like Jeebus. Yeah. Poor bastard. (laughs) So we jump from Ben trying to escape and also shots of Mick driving back to the campsite. So you're still on edge about is Mick going to get back there in time or is Ben going to get away in time? Yeah. Which thankfully Ben gets away in time. We do see another corpse in there that's just hanging around and we kind of get the idea that the dogs that are in the cave with him 
are going to eat him alive. Yeah, because they're just snarling and just going off their heads and they're really scary dogs. Oh, very scary dogs. But I mean, probably sweethearts in real life. Oh, most likely. <laughs> they're still around. Movie was 2005. Ah. Dogs live forever in the hearts. <laughs> That's fair <enough. laughs> So, yes, Ben manoeuvres his wrists off these nails, which is pretty gnarly to see. Like, I'm a massive fan of stuff like this, but even I wince in pain watching this. Yeah, it's, it's quite gory and bloody. So he gets off the cross, gets out of, like, the cave wherever he is, rips a little bit of his shirt off to uh, tie it to his wrist so he stops the bleeding, and you just see the breakdown of a man as he gets away. Yeah, so he's just walking through the, the outback, just pure desert and screaming, crying, like it's just a full montage. You have no idea how long he's actually been out there for. There's no indication at all. And then he ends up just passing out. But where he passed out was actually on the side of the road where thankfully another, another couple of tourists drive past and see him. So they jump out. And this is another really weird Thing that doesn't make any sense. So when we were re-watching the movie again with the subtitles on to get, you know, the actual quotes of what exactly they said, it just pops up saying that they're speaking German. But in the end credits it said they were a Swedish backpackers. Yeah. So I'm like, which ones are they? It's me. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I mean, I'm uncultured. They sound the same. <laughs> 200 cultured people trying to figure it out. It's not going to work <laughs> out, is it? But anyway, so they end up putting Ben in the back of their combi van and they end up driving to the nearest town. And I I kind of got the feeling that if they didn't do this, then maybe they might be mixed next victims. Yeah, they could have been. Yeah. But we'll never know as Ben gets away safely and then we learn what's happened after the events of Wolf Creek. Yeah, so basically the rest of the world thinks that Ben killed Christy and Liz because he was the last one seen with them, obviously. But, you know, they can't find their bodies anywhere. They can't find any evidence of Mick as Ben was trying to explain to them, you know, what happened. Um, And after being in custody and they can't actually find any evidence against him, they just have to let him go. Yeah, which fair enough. Like, you can't pin him for anything, so what's the point of keeping him in custody? Yeah, so the last sort of sequence card says that he's living in South Australia and then the last shot is just Mick walking into the sunset, going to live his best life. Still can't believe he got away with all of it. Yeah, and I mean, I it's kind of implied that he's just going to get away with whatever he bloody wants. Ah, and that's why we have a sequel. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of Wolf Creek, which recommend watching honestly it's one of the best yeah. movies i've ever seen yeah it's one of my favorites yeah. and you just can't but help but love mick taylor yeah I, for some reason i i don't know what it is but he's such a likable horror movie villain would you say he's a character you'd love to hate or hate to love mm, hate to love because you feel yeah. bad for liking him and rooting for him but at the same time like he he's just got this somethings about him yeah yeah yeah, might just be that Aussie that he is and us being Aussies as well. We yeah, just got, a soft, got that charm. Got a bit of a soft spot for that. <laughs> you got anything else to add? Uh, no, we just want to thank everyone for listening in. Um, we were very nervous about this, oh, so we apologise. Through the whole episode that we're pretty, pretty nervous, but we 
plan on getting better. Yeah. And, you know, we we want any sort of feedback. You can give us whatever, anything. So, we've actually got an email address um, where you can send us recommendations, requests, telling us how shit we are. That's fine. We understand. Yeah, but please tell us how good we are. <laughs> like, that made me feel better. <laughs> so, it's uh, betterwatchhorrorpod at gmail.com. And we also have a Twitter uh, that's our official BWH pod. And we also have an Instagram where I post hints, <laughs> which I promise after the first time they will be better. <laughs> I have a new system to work it out. <laughs> I post hints about what movie we could be possibly covering every week, which I thought it was a bit of a hit and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, it's fun so sort of watching along. Yeah, even I was trying to guess. <laughs> Not really, I knew. I knew. So that's at Better Watch Horror Pod. Um, Yeah. So thank you all. Uh, We hope to see you next week. This has been the Better Watch Horror Podcast. Bye.